everyone, welcome to Shortcast, the Brandon Sanderson podcast. We're a bunch of mega fans giving you the news, discussion, and of course, a whole lot of opinions about Brandon's work in the Cosmere. I'm your host, but I am not Eric. I am Grace, and I have killed Eric and taken over the role of host for Shortcast. No! <laughs> um, and joining me today is Marvin. Hi, I'm Paleo. <laughs> Uh, also joining me today is Danielle. Fell Candy. And I'm a spoopy Shardcast producer ghost, Eric! Woo! Who might, like, rarely interject, but mostly to tell these guys, hey, stop talking over each other! Uh, and, see, Grace, I like what you did on the intro, because that will show that it's not just me going crazy on the intro, it's just that <laughs> when everyone does the intro, you get very excited with energy, and it's fun, right? Oh man, it's it's like I'm in the Cosmere, I can almost hear the voices of the people I killed in my ears. <laughs> For some news, the Way of Kings Leatherbound Kickstarter is out. And it's going really well. All of the 2020 deliveries of the Leatherbound are totally sold out, but you can still uh, support and get a version that'll be delivered in 2021. We actually managed to fund the campaign within three minutes of its launch. Like, I don't know, $250,000 or something like that in three minutes. And nobody expected it. And nobody was able to catch up to... Uh, Isaac wasn't able to catch up on updating all the stretch goals. But by now, we had uh, a little over $5 million in um, backing. And just today, I think they updated the stretch goals to include the uh, drafts of the new novella that Brent will be writing at 5.5 million. <laughs> I have actually not funded this yet because I am annoyed that the only way I know I can get this novella day of release is if I pre-order it before it's even been written. And uh, I don't, I mean, I trust Brandon will write it, but I, I don't really want to spend money on something that hasn't actually been written yet. Shardcast Ghost agrees. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted the swag, so, but, you know. Yeah, yeah, the swag is the nice part. Brandon has announced that Rhythm of War will be about 6,000 words longer than Oathbringer. Friend, so. all my book. books. <laughs> yeah, I, I plan to write shorter books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's not good at doing that. So, and that's the four, uh, like that word con is after he cuts 10% of the book. So he's already trimmed it down from the previous word con. So. It's still longer than Oathbringer, yeah. I still trust him to, like, make a nice, comprehensive yeah. story. Yeah. I don't have and a problem with it. It better yeah. be comprehensive at that way. And we have some Lost Metal news. So, Lost Metal is planned to begin on January 2021, um, turned in July, and then hopefully a release for spring or summer 2022. So, longer than I wanted, but we'll take what we can get yeah. alright so now for the actual topic we got a new Rhythm of War excerpt in the most recent Brandon newsletter and that is what this episode is going to be talking about so if you don't want Rhythm of War spoilers uh, bow out now the excerpt we got was a Sulfrena interlude 
So that is what we're going to be talking about because there is a lot of super interesting stuff in there. It's really exciting that we finally get a proper spin, a sprint POV, not just like the radiance perspective on everything. Like that's in itself already really nice. And the stuff we have in the interlude is top-notch information. <laughs> nice to read from her perspective anyways because she's so yeah. sweet and so <laughs> kind and upbeat and i really needed that right now <laughs> so i really really loved this whole excerpt it was just uplifting if the excerpt is any indication then we're not going to be getting a lot of that from the kaladin point of view yeah so right good, good to get that where we can yeah. <laughs> Okay, so to give a quick summary of the interlude, um, basically it's, as we said, it's from Syl's point of view and uh, she's at Eurythuru and it's ahead of a, a high storm coming. She's basically flying around Eurythuru and first she visits or goes to see Cord, Rock's daughter. Next up, uh, she, well, the high storm comes and she gets to see the storm father and asks him about uh, basically help to understand Kaladin, because Kaladin is in a bit of a rough spot right now, apparently, uh, more so than usual, maybe. And then after the high storm, she goes to see Delina and talks with him about uh, also Kaladin, but also his powers as a bondsmith and how he could help maybe with uh, Sills and Kaladin's relationship. So there is a lot to unpack in this interlude. Uh, so we're going to go real deep into the topics that are talked about in here. So Danielle, what was the most interesting thing that stood out to you in this interlude? Uh, well, goodness, what? Um, there are so many different things. But for me, I loved reading from Syl's perspective and uh, seeing how her personality shows in her own words. Um, how she is talking about um, having two different brains or child brain and um, how she feels different from the other high spren, the other honor spren, and um, except for Rua, which kind of made me laugh a little bit. <laughs> um, and then she, she sees the other spren as being not quite as smart and she wants to he uh, help them achieve her level of intelligence, I think. That's what it makes me feel like she's kind of going for, not only with Kaladin, but with the other Spren. Also, audio listeners, I am so sorry. My dog is barking and I have her out of the room, but you might hear her. <laughs> she just wants to give her opinions too. <laughs> you know, I think what was uh, the interesting bit about Sil's perspective was that she talks about having, like, uh, she feels like she has two brains, one that is easily distracted, and one that is more responsible. And apparently, I can't personally relate to this, but um, other people have mentioned that that really fits their um, perception or like their perception and they have ADHD. Mm -hmm. And so apparently, like and just from an outsider perspective, maybe it's also seemed like, yeah, that's definitely something that you could ascribe to still uh, reading that, that um, interlude. And yeah, it's really cool to see how Brandon has decided and has managed to portray that in this interlude because that people who have who have ADHD um, that they can relate to it. It's really nice to see. Yeah, I was kind of wondering when reading about her two brains if 
Syl has always felt like this, even when she was bonded to her previous Radiant, or if it's something that kind of developed as a result of her, like, sleep, and is only yeah. something she has now with Kaladin that she's woken up. Yeah, she did say that she had felt uh, like a darkness when her previous um, Radiant had died, and um, then she you know, lost her memories between that time. What was that, 10,000 years? Something? A little less, probably, because it was before the uh, Recreants. Just before the Recreants, so less than... 2,500 years about. Oh, that's right. um, Yeah, like, that was really cool to see because uh, like she also she has her two brains sort of a comparison and she also applies that to Kaladin and uh, his depression uh, depression and that he calls his uh, depression more or less she calls it the dark brain and then uses that comparison again to describe her state after her radiance death so that makes me wonder whether that Generally, is something that that Spren experienced that way. Like she calls it the pain, and like that's what she felt after um, the radiant died. And whether every Spren is like that, or if it's something unique to her or to a few of them. The the Stormfather definitely seems to think that she is getting too close and letting herself feel too much for these humans that she's bonding. He might not feel the same. He's also a very way more powerful than her. Yeah. Though, so makes it seem like he wants the Radiance Spren to have more autonomy and be not bound to humans, but be allies to humans to be considered, you know, their own thing rather than just my my Spren. <laughs> they are a Spren. <laughs> I liked that. Still, when she and the Stormfather were talking, said that Roshar was for Spren humans and singers. Mm-hmm. And like the Stormfather, because before that said it's their world, and like that she answered that the Stormfather has a bit of a weird perspective on Rosha, maybe like after how many years of humans <laughs> and singers being there, you could say, yeah, maybe it's not just our world. All right. So one thing that I found interesting in this chapter was we got a lot of really interesting Bondsmith information. <laughs> Dalinar asks still what she knows of his powers. We get paragraph filled with lots of information. So I'm just going to read this paragraph aloud because there's so much, it's easier than trying to summarize what she says. Your abilities are what made the original Oath Pact, she said. And they existed and were named long before the Knights Radiant were founded. A bondsmith connected the Heralds to Braze, made them immortal, and locked our enemies away. A bondsmith bound other surges and brought humans to Roshar, fleeing their dying world. A bondsmith created, or at least discovered, the Nahel Bond. The ability of Spren and humans to join together into something better. You connect things, Dalinar. Realms, ideas, people. I feel like we almost have to go through that word by word because they read this so much. I think already in the first sentence, she calls it... Uh, your abilities are what made the original Oath Pact, which seems to imply there are other Oath Pacts maybe, or a new one or something like that. So, what's that about? <laughs> well, we we know Ishar was called the Binder of Gods. Yeah. So we know he, we already knew that he was involved, but this 
I think this implies that he's maybe a lot more involved and a lot more instrumental in that than we've thought previously. One line that stood out to me was, a bondsmith bound other surges. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> no clue what to make of that. Like it's, uh, so it's obviously speaking about how they fled from Eshin. But, yeah. and we know, I think, that they use the mechanics that are sort of like the Oathgate in mm-hmm. how they work. But how a bondsmith did it uh, alone, basically, apparently, I have no clue. <laughs> it makes me wonder if it was a different thing originally, and then the the surges kind of defined it a different way when they got there. Almost like how light weaving was another, a Yolish term, and then yeah. um, they kind of adapted that term, possibly. Yeah, yeah it's uh, like they say it was named long before, and I could totally see it being like a Yolish thing, and Maybe because Sid also says, like, you connect things. That is just a general mm-hmm. term for everybody who, or yeah, everybody who manipulates connection in some way yeah. and on a deeper level, maybe. And, like, that also makes me wonder or question whether the bond, or it always, or she always only says a bondsmith did something, mm-hmm. whether that was all one bondsmith or separate ones. And yeah. I certainly think it was multiple. Mm. Yeah, one thing that I thought of is maybe bound other surges is referring to like binding them to the honor blades somehow. But hmm, I don't think that would it would work for the honor blades, but it would be a little uh, like they have to bound them or they have bound them before that because they used it to get off Ashen and yeah. At least unless the timeline is completely wrong. <laughs> and we got it. They got the honor blades after arriving on Russia. But definitely could be that as well, that like Honor gave them the swords and a bondsmith, probably Isha, but mm-hmm. maybe somebody else. The way that that sentence more. reads, a bondsmith bound other surges and brought humans to Roshar, fleeing their dying world. It sounds like they bound the surges to Roshar and brought humans to Roshar. That's how I read it, but I'm not sure if that's exactly the right way to interpret it. It's definitely a way you could you could read it, I think. Well, we know surges were used to destroy Ashen. Yeah. So, I mean, like, if they were, I don't know how, like, soldiers, or surges would be, like, uncontrolled and destroy a planet, and then a bondsmith comes in and bound, binds them so that they no longer can do that or something i don't know hmm. uh, maybe uh, it's like very wild theory um yeah. territory but maybe they used the the rampaging searches on ashen to sort of jumpstart the the portal or whatever to get to rosha like they used all that investiture or whatever that was raging there and channeled it sort of or used it to kick off another thing that they used then to get to Roshar, maybe, something like that. They bound it in that way. Like, we know so little about the exodus from Ashen, and it's really hard to extrapolate from, like, that one sentence what might have happened. It's also kind of interesting when she says, um, the ability of Spren and humans to join together into something better. It's like her interpretation, because we just had the Stormfather saying, you're supposed to be separate. 
and she's taking it as we're joining everything together and that's why she's kind of appealing to Dalinar yeah it actually makes me wonder like just how much of that is Syl uh, Syl Mm -hmm. interpreting what Mm -hmm. she knows and how much is actual fact that especially that line with the trying to get into something better better makes mm-hmm. I think that it's kind a of, lot an of that, opinion. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. not that reliable maybe to to uh, trust her one hundred percent. But yeah, to maybe get back to that, like they were named or Bondsmith were named long before the knights raided. Maybe and we we know that honor played a huge part in um, mm-hmm. in. Well, basically all of was hidden on Rosha. And so my mind sort of went to that maybe, especially if we think like that Bondsmith was a Yolish term, that maybe ten of us before the ascension or maybe even after the ascension that you could sort of pick honor as an as a Bondsmith as a shard, something like that. Like because he is very focused on bonds and connection of people sort of. So maybe Yeah. Like Tanafast as a Yolish Bondsmith? Yeah, something like that. We know, or we don't know, but it would yeah. make sense maybe for the the original vessels to have some sort of qualifica- qualifica- qualification for pay- picking up the shards and not just say, hey, we want to kill God. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> would fit, maybe. So a Bondsmith created or at least discovered the Nahel Bonds. You know, that, that line makes me think of that one um, epigraph about Ishar saying that he would bind the new surge binders to rules or pre-tessets, or else he would go and destroy them all the next day. But I feel like that talks more about the later on when they formed the Knights Radiant, after they had already discovered the Nile Bond. But, I don't know, what, what the connection I made there was like, well, if a bondsmith created the Nahel bonds, maybe Ishar, as a bondsmith, could destroy it if they refused to, oh. like, be bound by his rules. Yeah, that is, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly would fit their power set. Like, uh, like Sul also talks to him about maybe strengthening their bond, uh, Kels and hers, and it would make sense to all that to, for that to also go in the negative direction, sort of, and lessen their bond and maybe mm. even break it. Could definitely see that, yeah. Also regarding that discovering the Nahal bond line, do we think that it was actually a bondsmith who formed the first Nahal bond, like with the, one of the big three Spren? Or do we think they just sort of noticed that somebody else had done it? Because I find it unlikely, or at least I'd find it weird if... Uh, the Stormfather, the Nightwatcher, or the sibling were the first to be bonded to a human. Because that sort of seems very big. <laughs> Maybe that oh. happened at the same time that they were binding the surges and humans and <laughs> all of that. Maybe <laughs> during all of that, this is when they discovered or created. She hmm. still doesn't know. So maybe all of these things kind of happened around the same time. Yeah. This time it was like discovery. I also imagine that the other Nahel Bond Spren are newer, like younger than those th- like big three sprints. So it also comes down to when were they created in relation to these first mm. bonds and what happened first. I don't know. 
And another, this wasn't mentioned in the paragraph, but Syl does seem to think that Dalinar, as a bondsmith, has the power to make her feel what Kaladin feels. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. But Dinana actually doesn't know whether he can, so... Do you have something you wanted to say, Daniel? Oh, I was just um, thinking about, like, when Syl is talking about the origin of the higher Spren, and they're newer than the lesser, so did they come about... For any particular reason, are they just mimicking the the spren that were originally on Rishar? Um, and did this bondsmith kind of push that along? <laughs> yeah, there I do think that like the the creation of the higher spren, like the honor spren and others like that, definitely precedes humans arriving mm-hmm. on Rishar because that like probably honor did that, and like he mm-hmm. when he arrived, he thought, hey, look, there's Adonalsim left behind Spren here. Maybe we should add some of our own. So he created other Spren, but then the interesting question is whether they are actually new or whether they are just sort of, that. that's also something still wonders whether they are sort of uplifted lower Spren. Like if, if Honor Spren are maybe just Wind Spren that are sort of endowed with intellig- or higher intelligence. There's a line somewhere about the the heralds being surprised at the Nahel bond and the Spren trying to mimic honor blades and them not real like being surprised by that power. So like mm-hmm. how does that relate to this line of a bond <laughs> with creator? Dis- I suppose in that case it would be discovering of the Nahel bonds. Yeah. Like if that would imply that maybe the bondsmith was the first one to bond a Spren. I don't know. Yeah, that's uh, like that is a weird thing because yeah, first, the heralds were surprised, so I don't think that the bondsmith to create or discover it was Isha, because mm-hmm. that would be wouldn't fit that surprise. Uh, yeah, but then I find it weird that like a bondsmith, or the the, the first search binder, so to speak, who bonded a spren, was a bondsmith, because I don't personally see the stormfather going and saying, "Hey, let's form a bond." Well, it doesn't necessarily mean they're the first one. They could have been experimenting. Uh, that's kind of what I'm leaning towards is that they were experimenting with the Spren. And also when Syl was saying that she felt a kinship with them, even though they're clearly different, they're not as smart. She wanted to help mm-hmm. them become smart. And it makes me think maybe they were experimenting on these Spren and then they happened upon maybe an honor Spren or something and they discovered or created... Oh that bond i like that yeah but do you think then that it was isha who who is that bondsmith or like somebody else who they also called a bondsmith i mean the way that she phrases in that paragraph she doesn't say a bondsmith did this and then he did this she says a bondsmith does this a bondsmith does this so it's very vague in how you can interpret it it could be the same Mm -hmm bondsmith that did it all or it could be just a group of them or three of them (laughs) who knows (laughs) so with with the bondsmith ability to like strengthen nahel bonds apparently do do we think that uh dalinar would is like necessary to help if maya or any other dead spren gets revived somehow he could like strengthen that bond and help that along that's one thing i thought of Mm -hmm. Yeah, I could see that. I don't think it would be necessary for Bondsmith to intervene there, but it probably would help if they can figure out how to do it. Like, Dana obviously doesn't 
seem to have the knowledge. And I'm not sure whether the Stormfather would be willing to hand that out, considering how he doesn't want the, the Spren and humans to... Like, he describes this as um, Spren formerly being appendages to their human, like, like they're very secondary. And he definitely doesn't want that, and I don't see him facilitating that. Yeah, he says, you refuse to admit that you are more than an appendage to a human. Spren mm -hmm. once let themselves become consumed by the needs of the Radiance, and that killed them. So he's like looking after Syl by saying, don't get too, don't get too invested in this. Don't, don't become consumed by his invested. needs. Invested. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm Lower a cognitive shadow, invested. so I can make those jokes. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's also someone mentioned in a couple of Dalinar's uh, visions named Harky Lane, who is implied to have some ability to one, know when a desolation is coming, and two, is the person suggested to go to when uh, Dalinar claims to have trouble with his shard plate. So do we think he's a bondsmith and maybe, like, they suggested going to Harky Lane to, like, strengthen the bond so the shard plate works again? I think the, the assumption up until now was that he was a bondsmith, or that they were a bondsmith, like, generally, and I, with that new interlude, I definitely see that and uh, subscribe to that, like, Somebody on the Discord described that sort of as the bondsmith being the therapists for all the Radiance, and I really like that idea. They're like really spread doctors. <laughs> they're, <laughs> yeah. they're like the uh, relationship therapy for spread mm -hmm. humans. Like if you have you and your spread have an issue, you need to talk out. You go to the bondsmith, and I'll strengthen your bond. <laughs> I'll strengthen your bond. <laughs> Just need Dalina to figure it out. Otherwise, or maybe another bondsmith. Do we have anything else? Like, I, I find it really hard to interpret that whole bondsmith paragraph because yeah. it's so dense, but also so little we know about all the stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, they also say he connected the herald, or the a bondsmith connected the heralds to Brace, made them immortal, and docked our enemies away. And that, to me, or more or less, obviously speaks about Isha. But then again, we know that it was Honor who, or we we thought up until now that Honor did most of that, like that he created the oath pick as like the match or the magic behind it, and that Isha was sort of just the initiator maybe. But this paragraph definitely makes it sounds like it was mm -hmm. it was all that Bondsmith who did it. Maybe it's just Spren mythology or Spren oral <laughs> history or something where it's passed down. <laughs> Maybe it's just the wisdom of Tessim or whatever his name is in two guys and like yeah. his law he built around himself. Yeah, reading reading this paragraph, uh, if if Ishar did even most of the stuff, then him calling himself a god starting to seem a lot more justified. Yeah. Maybe Binder of Gods does refer to him sort of making uh, uh, making oath with with shards, but maybe that he literally would be able to bind them and like restrict them because he's so powerful. All right, Marvin, what else stood out to you in this interlude? And obviously, because you also brought up Harkelein, um we know uh, Syl visits Cord, and mm -hmm. she remarks that Cord has shard played. And she also says that um, 
she didn't feel the same way she did about shard blades, although the shard plate is still a bunch of corpses. And apparently these corpses are content with their situation. So that also it was like one paragraph or two sentences, and it also like basically confirmed that Cousin's brand theory more or less for how shard plate or what shard plate consists of. And yeah, it destroyed all the other theories and like that's <laughs> definitely Brent trying to tease us, I think. What were your shard plate theories before and now after? Theory was that shard plate was a type of lesser spren. I don't like to say lesser, it makes me feel mean. Um <laughs> lesser spren. Subspren, you know. <laughs> Subspren is even worse. No, um it just it makes me I, So I thought originally that um shard plate was made of lesser spren and they were connected to the high spren that would form their blade so like i had this idea that um sill and then the little uh glory spren would form the armor of kaladin but then it didn't happen (laughs) (laughs) i think that definitely was foreshadowing already on at that point, I also thought it was foreshadowing him getting played with, with all the windspren swirling around him and uh, like when I reach uh, oh, wind joining him. Yeah, yeah, wind, yeah not, would, not be yeah <laughs> would be the bondsmith. Yeah, would be the bondsmith probably. And I, I didn't really have a theory of my own for shard play before this, but uh, I definitely could see uh, the cousin spren theory working out. A lot of people complain about how. Uh, they have a problem now with why these spren would be content with the situation or how it works. Like we know that shard plate regenerates. I think those are definitely concerns that can be explained away. So I'm fine with this explanation that like it's sort of a conglomerate of cousin spren that coalesce in the physical realm to form plate. I never thought about it too much, but I I did. I agreed with the cousin's friend theory. I saw on Discord after this came out, someone, I don't remember who, basically wonder if these cousin's friend were almost a type of, like, squire for the spren. Like how the humans have squires who get their powers. It's like, oh, the spren also has, like, little wind spren squires who <laughs> get the ability to come into the physical realm. And maybe, which I kind of like that idea. It just seems nice. I don't know. I think, yeah, that fits with uh, Syl wondering whether she could make Windsprint smarter. Mm-hmm. Like, that, like, she gets her own so a little squad of Windsprint who she can command around, maybe, to now you form plate. And uh, yeah, I'd like that as well. It would be really cool. So, you wonder if the shard plate is made of a bunch of content corpses. Maybe they're just content because they're protecting. Uh, the person wearing it and then they're when they're used as a blade they're screaming and they're not okay with the the wielder going into battle or you having to use that weapon i, I can because the proper radiance friend their only pur- their purpose wasn't just to become a shard blade and help kill other people meanwhile the cousin's friend sort of they had found their new purpose being under so like um, helping the Radiant and the Spren by forming plate, and I could definitely see that as, like, that's why they're content, because they are just fulfilling their purpose, and 
because they're probably not as intelligent as um, the proper radiance brain. They, after becoming or becoming part of the plate, they didn't have the capacity maybe to think of doing something else again. And so like, yeah, okay, I'm fine with this. And all's good. Yeah, like we we know with Windle that not every spren likes killing people. But if I guess if mm-hmm. you're just protecting someone, then maybe there's not that same level of anger. Cause you're still you're still protecting someone. I don't know. Well, Syl had mentioned that um, she she was remembering her old wonderful knight. What was his name? Relador. Relador. And he spent most of his life traveling to little villages, uh, <laughs> using her to cut cisterns, aqueducts. So, I mean, maybe the sword thing is just like a war society's way of interpreting their use. They're not thinking of using them to cut cisterns and aqueducts. <laughs> <laughs> Or, you know, using them as tools to help rather than to hurt. I mean, realistically, outside of the desolations, like, you're not going to have... A a society that doesn't just want to, like, straight up murder people isn't going to use their shard blades as blades. But that's not the Alethi. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, we see that Oathbringer isn't... uh, the, The sword Oathbringer... Uh, doesn't scream as loudly or as much in agony when Danana picks it up. And that could, like, he did a lot of killing with that sword, but uh, maybe, like, he had a change later in life and sort of um, he, he followed the codes and things like that. And, and saw, he gave uh, it up. He gave, yeah, he gave it up, yeah. Maybe, and I, was it with Oathbringer that he all, he actually did cut like the latrine trench or something yeah. like that? Mm-hmm. And it was with, he used Oathbringer to help him there. And like I could see that because, uh, so Oathbringer sort of saw that for one, he didn't just, uh, he used it not just for killing and like gave it more of a purpose. And he also gave it up, yeah. And that sort of freed it from him and like nobody, else, I guess. Sadie has bonded it. I don't know, but I could definitely see that being like just they have fulfilled their purpose and that's why they are content. And I think there is also the connection to be made to Fabrials and Spren trapped in the gemstones. I don't think we know if Spren and Fabrials are content with that. But I mean, we, we do know that like they, even though they're trapped, they get like an unlimited supply of food, which Spren and Shardplate kind of do as well so mm-hmm. sad because yeah. nobody wants to be enslaved even if it's yeah. for a good purpose you don't want to be trapped yeah. somewhere forever so it's kind I of think, a morality thing <laughs> well i think in the books they were kind of compared to chulls and like harnessing mm-hmm. them to drive a cart i'm sure yeah. in rhythm of war we'll get more into that because it seems like <laughs> rhythm of war it's gonna have a lot of fabrial info yeah like well <laughs> Fabrile arms race, something like that. I really like that. And it helps Navani become more of a prominent character, so that's always yes. good. <laughs> yes, she needs more. But, like, because you bring up Fabrials, the, the thing is that I see is like modern Fabrials work by entrapping Spren in gemstones and sort of forcing them to mm-hmm. work for the ray or for the, for the effect of the Fabrial. But Ancient fabrials like the soul casters or the regeneration fabrial that Nale uses, they don't seem to operate that way. They mm-hmm. seem to 
be more of a I, what I personally uh, subscribe to is sort of that they that the there is there are as Bren involved and like we see in the casa mm -hmm. interlude I think that she she has some help from some something someone uh, in her soul casting and that mm -hmm. maybe it's sort of um, as Bren is not directly bound to the Fabril or anything like that but they sort of are voluntarily helping because they get stormlight in return or something like that and sort of it's more of a it's not a slave slavery relationship but instead like they're just happy to help and symbiotic and, yeah it's, it's their my job. Sense. yeah exactly you, yeah i work this fabriel for you and you pay me in stormlight <laughs> slavery relationship <laughs> <laughs> Like I could see that, and that might also apply to the the shard plate. the plate, the shard plate here. Yeah, that it's the the spren were willing to do this, and they don't have as much of the shock of the recreants, maybe because like it was their job to protect. As a, they they saw it more as a job rather than like their calling. Like the radiant spren saw it more as more of a calling or. They really were involved with stuff, and the lesser sprint were just, okay, this is what I do. Yeah. And there might be less of like a direct betrayal involved in that if the mm -hmm. sprint in the shard plate weren't as like emotionally involved with the radiance themselves. Like with the with the shard blades, there's very much like a oh, I trusted you and you killed me and betrayed me and turned your back on everything you used to believe in. Whereas with the the shard plate, it might be like, well, I was helping you out and you screwed me over, but it's not as much of a betrayal. But what is interesting is that there are still corpses, mm -hmm. or as much as a corpse, uh, as much of a corpse as a sprint can be. Like they definitely did die, and yeah. I wonder whether they would appear as sort of if if they appear in the cognitive realm at all, because like if they are, if for example, a windrunner's shard plate is indeed windsprint. We know that they are hardly in the cognitive at all. Like mm. whether plate appears in the cognitive, and if they appear in the cognitive, how would that manifest? Like would they also be dead eyes, or because uh, aren't they like sort of streaks of light or something like that? The the windsprint in the cognitive realm, and so how would they manifest as corpses mm. in the cognitive? Yeah, and so but if they are cousin spren, how do they just like you can regenerate an entire set of plate from a tiny speck? Mm -hmm. And the fact that they're corpses, it makes that really interesting. Like you're regrowing a corpse, or essentially. Yeah, it's it's really weird, and like the, I think that's a problem that many people have with the cousin sprint theory. That regeneration sort of is a huge problem. Maybe it's yeah. just that their their bodies aren't regenerating. It's their 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 existence, or um, I don't know what the word would be. <laughs> Um, their their mind, their contentedness, um, <laughs> is is getting some kind of energy from maybe the cognitive realm or something, and it just takes some time to come back. Um, and then they are just they arrive back in their contented dead state. Yeah, what I came up with maybe sort of when when that came up in discussions about uh, this interlude was that maybe the because we know that it requires a lot of stormlight to regrow a plate from parts of it, and that maybe the um, and we know that um, spren regenerate or are invigorated by the stormlight, 
And like when the highest storm parts, we see them sort of standing up straight and stuff like that in the cognitive realm. And maybe it's that the because they are not as uh, not radiant spring, the stormlight can actually help them sort of revive to a certain extent. Like it's mm -hmm. e like it, it's easier than with uh, Maya, for example. They just needs uh, mostly needs stormlight to get to a, a certain state again and. Um, uh, for anything further, they'd also need something else. So, but I don't know how you'd go about reviving the the cousin spren because there's not a radiant to form a bond there. So maybe the spren has to sort of initiate that. That's another topic, maybe. But yeah, I think that might be an explanation that like they take the stormlight and it helps them regenerate to a certain extent, but they can't be fully alive again. Or maybe they're not really regenerating so much as the the other pieces when you regrow plate like crumble to dust so maybe it's mm -hmm. something like the spren or the stormlight is like pulling the spren that are further away like through the cognitive back to where the piece is or something weird like that that would work because we know that like when you drop a beat and shade or when you take a beat and shade smell mm -hmm. somewhere and then sort of drop it it eventually finds its way back to where it sort of uh, more or less is in the physical realm. So I could also see that working, yeah. Dead eyes will find where their blade is in the physical realm and the cognitive one if they have to. So like mm -hmm. the maybe whatever the dead eyes equivalent are like grouping together somewhere in the cognitive and the stormlight like pulls them back into the physical or something weird like that. Yeah. I mean it makes sense because like mass is conserved and investiture is conserved. So it's not like the blade is just gone. It just sort of the pieces are converted into all something out. else. Yeah, so it would make sense. It just finds its way. Yeah, I like that idea. Can definitely could definitely see that as an explanation. Danielle, what else stood out to you in this that you want to talk about? I want to talk about where Kaladin is at this <laughs> interlude. She uh, still goes to visit him. He's sleeping. He's sleeping during this high storm, and um, big she, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that big luck. Um, but he's he's sleeping and she's wondering about um will he be satisfied with his job as a surgeon so i'm wondering if something so we know something happened from reading this that dalinar forced him to go and become a surgeon something happened that caused his dark brain to kind of push him over the edge or something and forced him to take a break and mm -hmm. be useful still but in a different capacity and it makes me think the way that she phrased it makes me think that maybe he's he's okay with his life right now as a surgeon, but she's worried about his future and how his dark brain, his depression might um, affect him as he's a surgeon rather than out on the front lines or, um, you know, with his, his squad. Yeah, how is he going to build a squad now as a surgeon? He have like a In lot of nurses. <laughs> <laughs> He'll, he'll get a bunch of like assistants and then have nurses. Getting... <laughs> what do we think made or caused sort of Kaladin's period of depression or like researches of his depression? Like we know at the beginning, or like the, the <clears throat> you already have the Lyrian chapter, it's chapter one, it's preview, yeah. and like he finds Kaladin there under the, uh, uh, among the refugees. And so maybe something happens to Liren. Liren dies, part one. 
Imagine, do do we inch. know where in um, Rhythm of War this interlude is going to be? Is it like one of the first ones? Or we do don't we... know. I think people yeah. have been assuming it's in the first set, though. Yeah. Mm. At least that's what I, kind of what I've been thinking, at least. I, uh, yeah, it doesn't feel like too much has happened yet in the book. Sort of like one arc, or one, one part of an arc is maybe complete because Kaladin is back to Yurithiru, but it's not mm. further into the book. So I could, I definitely could see it having something to do with Liren, but yeah. whether he's dead or. Because then it would be sort of really ironic to then put him up to search and duty after yeah. his father. Do we think this interlude is just a single interlude, or do we think Syl is going to have multiple, or even like the through line interlude novella? Oh, I mm. hope she has so many. <laughs> I <laughs> love reading her perspectives; just precious. It, yeah, I'd really love to do if it was all Syl, but I could also see maybe all the like we get a few points from Pattern and. Mm -hmm. Uh, others as well, like yeah, Windle. Like we get one from each spren in all the interludes, maybe mm -hmm. that I could also see. But I'd really love it if Sil was all the way through. through. <clears throat> I I kind of liked the idea because I think before this, I was certainly assuming that Kaladin would be in the like some in some kind of Kolinar arc. But after reading this, I was kind of wondering if maybe Kaladin will be in the like that third arc where he kind of takes a step back and you only really see like the overarching of what's happening and then maybe get more of that through like a sill novella through line of her trying to help him. Mm -hmm. I think that would work really well to like, for one, we finally get like some real sprint viewpoints and experience what they feel like. And it also helps sort of give another perspective on Kaladin because like always seeing his view of the world also doesn't always help with understanding him, I guess. Do we think that Kaladin has sworn his fourth, uh, fourth ideal at this point? I, I want to say no, but I, I could see a world in which him swearing the fourth oath and kind of having to come to terms with that pushes him like even further into this depressive state. He could make it like he, he swears it, and afterwards he realizes, but it, it didn't really help that I swore it. Like, bad stuff still happened. Mm -hmm. And that is what drives him further into his depression. I could yeah. definitely see something like that. Yeah, like, there's some implications that the, uh, the oath is like, oh, you can't save everyone. So he swears that, and he knows he can't save everyone, and he's not going to try. But because of that, it kind of makes him feel like worse about himself. Sort of like what happened to Shalon after she like swore the oath about what happened with her mother. Like she, now that she has to face that head on, it's like made her like psychological issues a little like temporarily worse as she deals with it. It's interesting to see how Syl is dealing with his psychological issues and she's so worried about him and she's just trying to racking her brain to figure out a solution and she she doesn't feel like this solution is to just force him to be a surgeon he could be satisfied but it's not gonna fix what she views as a problem 
He would continue to have the dark brain. This wasn't a solution. She needed a solution. And this is what the Stormfather, again, is kind of warning her about. Like, she's letting it consume her. Yeah. I'm really worried for Kaladin. And Me too. <laughs> and for because, ooh. When I when I first was reading this and I read that still wanted to be able to feel Kaladin's depression, my gut reaction of like, this is not going to go yeah. well if she does. Just seems like a bad idea. And I'm glad Dalinar said no to that request. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Dalinar is kind of the dad figure, even to Syl. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> like, you, you don't know what you're asking for. Trust but, me. Like, Syl tries to mother Kaladin a little there, so mm. he would be the grandfather for <laughs> Kaladin in this scenario. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and still certainly seems to think that Kaladin will be the champion. Mm-hmm. Yes. That too, so. He must be on the forums and Discord and uh, agree <laughs> <laughs> our theories. I mean, yeah. we don't even know what the contest of champions is going to look like, mm-hmm. so it's hard to say whether or not she'll be right. Stormfather and... has doubts. <laughs> yeah, but... It's it is interesting to see that the champion business seems to be going forward. Like that, it <clears throat> wasn't just sort of like they tried in Oathbringer, huh, that didn't work. Uh, they'll still continue to sort of make that idea work. But who will be the champion? No. So uh, when when Syl visits her father in the um, High Storm. Got some interesting comments about <laughs> like investiture and time and, uh, and so the music of the storm too. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Apparently, when too much investiture congregates in one place, time behaves weirdly. Mm-hmm. So I guess I'm not. I'm not like I don't know much about this, but I guess it's like a. Almost like a black hole, like too much matter yeah, in one it's place. Like time behaves r- really. Relativistic effects sort of going on there. Yeah. I also don't know too much physics, but uh. it's. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is the cognitive shadow of Eric being grumpy that this is a thing. <laughs> if, if it is working like that, I don't know how she can just go into it and then come out of it so easily. If there's something there that's changing time, there's got to be something going on with how she can just quickly go into the storm, go into that black area, and then just pause, have a chit-chat with (laughs) dad, and then leave. (laughs) And it's not only that we see Syl going to that sort of in-between place, maybe, in-between time. We also see it with uh, happening with Kaladin and mm-hmm. Delina as well. And for somebody who has actual mass and <laughs> time being warped around them, that would probably behave a little weirdly. And we don't see that at all. So how that works? Hmm. Yeah. Maybe it's not as much of a relativistic effect, but instead, like she also says that the realms become porous. And that yeah. maybe it's just sort of you get temporarily more of a spiritual uh, awareness, sort of. And uh, so it all happens more or less in the spiritual realm or something like that, maybe. That would get rid of the normal physics and Brent can hand wave it. <laughs> or like 
I was thinking maybe there's just sort of like a essentially a mini speed bubble going on where it's like time is faster in there than it is outside and then she leaves and like the storm father stops hmm. burning cadmium or whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> it would make sort of sense with the relativistic effects because we all know that investiture is sort of equivalent mm -hmm. to mass and energy but uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as, as Danielle was saying earlier, still experiences the high storm as music. We've we've said before that, or it's been said before that the rhythms are described as like the rhythms of Roshar, and the singers can feel them in kind of the natural elements of the world. So, do you think that's what she's hearing almost? I mean, yeah, I think it has to be related to the rhythms because, <clears throat> like, they're, they're so omnipresent on Rosha, more or less. And, like, we also see that the, like, Tamba has um, a certain, or she communicates with Bendley uh, um, via the rhythm, rhythms. And so maybe all Spren have more or less of, a, of an affinity, maybe, for the rhythms. And so still just recognizes it as music, but we know that the light sprint or the reachers, they use it also, or they use vibrations on the metal of their ship sort of for communication. So maybe they have a deeper understanding of the rhythms and they can actually discern them. So they know that it's the rhythm of, I don't know, the storm or whatever, and still just knows, okay, it's music to me. It's the rhythm of war. <laughs> <laughs> Well, she also mentions music when she's talking about her childlike brain. She says, if there's music on the horizon, she'll dart back and forth, eager with anticipation. And she also mentioned that when she heard the storm, she was dancing with the windsprint in anticipation. But what are they anticipating? It's mm. almost like it's a crescendo and it's coming up to a climax and they're all getting ready, but then the riddance come and it's over. <laughs> I think that definitely could work for um, all. We, we, we know that a lot of creatures are symbiotic with Spren on Rosha, and so maybe they all get that, or we know that the plants retract their, their um, leaves and stuff like that. So maybe they all get that information th through Spren who recognize the rhythms and know mm -hmm. that a storm is coming. That would like push that to 11, like that everything is sort of relying on Spren and uh, connected on Rosha. All right. What else do you want to talk about, Marvin? I think like we talked about how um, how Shardplate might work, but uh, we sort of glossed over that Cord has Shardplate, and she's the first Horn Eater to have it um, mm -hmm. in a very long time. And I wonder how she got her Shardplate. Well, didn't uh, Rock kill Amaram? Oh, right. <laughs> I, assume, I assume he yeah. gave the shards to, I guess, his kids. We don't know who has the blade. Mm. Probably. You forgot that. <laughs> Doesn't Cord have like a twin brother or something or an older brother? Mm -hmm. Yeah. We got to try yeah, pronouncing her name. Hualim Luna Naki Akilu. Yeah, there you go. Well, that was easy. <laughs> Nailed it. Hualino Luna Naki Akilu. I love that it's a poem of a wedding ring. I just thought that was mm -hmm. really sweet. And poems have their own rhythms too. It's just 
it all connects to music yeah. and and yeah. harmony and beats. Yeah, then I, I also sort of like because she mentions music and stuff like that. It's funny that uh, Richardium, the horses, have apparently music spread mm -hmm. as their their um, um, symbiotic relationship. And maybe that's also sort of an expression because uh, the horses didn't uh, came from Ashen, and so they don't have as deep a connection to Rosha as the native uh, um, fauna, and so maybe they get a sort of or they get the easy sprint sort of to to bond, and um, the the native animals get the more connected ones. Yeah. That would be a, a theory that right? the they um they drew the music sprint by having their stone hooves beating a beat on the ground and that's what the music sprint were drawn to. Yeah. I've always liked the idea that in the Stormlight Archive we're going to at some point see humans start to be able to hear the rhythms and recognize them in the world around them. It's kind of a thematic connection to like when they first came, oh, like they couldn't hear the rhythms and they mm -hmm. didn't belong. Now they've been here for thousands of years and like they're starting to belong and like they can start to hear those. Yeah, anyone with the singer blood in them can attune to it a little bit. Speaking of singer blood, um, and speaking of chord, she also apparently has um, inherited the ability to see Spren mm -hmm. all the time from uh, Rock. Yeah. And so just seems to be that that ability is is in fact genetic. Like may, people sometimes thought that maybe something was special about rock, but it speaks for the fact that it's just their singer blood expressing expressing there. Yeah, that's always interested me when um Syl is able to show herself to people or make herself invisible, all of them are. And um she talked to uh when she was talking to Dalinar, she was she said something about how she was surprised that he didn't spook when she just appeared out of nowhere because a lot of humans find her disturbing. And she also said they seem to find her more disturbing than a glory spren, which I don't know why she would specifically call them out. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, it, it's just interesting that the the regular spren are not really able to just make themselves invisible i guess they just are there but sill and pattern and all of those well is pattern able to well, no no he's he not is, yeah. he's not so i wonder why yeah. sill is able to do that and windle in turn is like almost not capable of coming full into the physical or like just um showing him to others i think yeah like he's very cognitive yeah, and, yeah but... i always kind of assume that was almost just like genetic differences or like the spren equivalent of genetic differences between the different types yeah could see that. where they're more inclined to stay and how easy it is for them to like be in the cognitive versus the physical and jump between and make themselves visible and stuff makes me wonder if rock would be able to see windle have we seen him see windle oh i think they've yeah yeah but i wouldn't be surprised if he was able to do i think cord this chapter makes it seem like she's going to be more important, maybe in like the back half with the kind of second generation. I'd love that. She just has to learn Alethi properly, <laughs> and then she can, uh, yeah, become more of a major character. 
and like she's cooking in that interlude. So maybe she also took on some of her father's responsibilities for Bridge Four because he has to do windrunnery stuff now, and she is now helping them out with cooking and things like that. There's another instance of music when she poured <laughs> the the potatoes into the water, and Syl was like, "Oh, what's that music?" <laughs> <laughs> why is she? Why is she, people are probably more um, spooked by? Honor's brand showing up than Glorious Brands, maybe just because yeah. they uh the Honor's brand or when she appears to people, she might appear as humanoid. And so they are just spooked for by seeing a little person rather than just some golden sphere or something like that, what the uh Glorious Brand appears. So maybe it's just like very trivial that they mm. like are. to us it would probably be like if a squirrel just started talking to us or something. <laughs> You're yeah. like, what? What's going on? Like, this is crazy. Must Get away from me. But I mean, in in way of Kings Kaladin, when he was first meeting Syl, she appeared to him as leaves falling, and then as a little girl, and he wasn't really that spooked mm. by it. I don't remember him feeling like it was some disturbing yeah. thing. He was just like, oh, they they mimic voices sometimes. Yeah. So it it just seemed like a strange line. maybe there's also some expectations involved like he just thought she was another windspran so he Mm -hmm. explained away the behavior but now it's Mm -hmm. like widely known that these honor spren and like uh, sapient spren exist so people are like more who aren't exposed to them as much are like jump and shocked when Mm -hmm. they first see them still have a few more things in the chapter we have Syl remembers Erythru from before the Recreants when it was still turned on. Um, <laughs> she. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, did not remember like that. <laughs> she remembers the tower being bright with a strange kind of light. My first thought when I read that, I just pictured the whole tower like a Christmas tree with lights <laughs> around it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's got to be something other than gemstones and stormlight. Mm-hmm. Like it's if it seems well, strange to her, then it has to be something else, like electricity. Well, there's those or something. like gems, strata, like in the walls. Maybe it's like because I mean I think there's a difference between like just glowing gems and lamps around the thing versus like veins of glowing light throughout the ca- like tower. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, she says that they're bright with lights and not just bright with the light because it would also be strange if like the light came from nowhere, sort of. Like mm-hmm. everything was just bright without every- anything really glowing or um, giving off the light. That would also be something, but I don't know how that would work. A lot um, of people on Discord seem to think that it was uh, the third light, the cultivation light. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't know if yeah. I agree with that. That's what I also thought of when I read a strange kind of light was um, because we know that void light isn't quite a color, like it's violet-ish, but it's actually like um, a a Stygian color. And that means it's not a real color. It's sort of... Like a negative. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's difficult to describe, but so maybe it's something like that just as well, like it's just a color you can't really describe, or the light is weird. It's not really that. Does that illuminate uh, anything, though? Like, 
I, I, I don't know if I it casts no off idea. a light, like a violet yeah. light or something, you know? But I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I thought of was that maybe the light sort of came from the sibling somehow. And I don't know, like the same way the storm glows. I don't know. The, the sibling when, has like a weird alive, light. The tower. Yeah. What some people compared it to was, I think, I think um, Elantris, because mm, uh, yeah. when Elantris was still working, or after it's working again, it had, um, or it, it glowed, or the stone itself seemed to glow. And maybe it's just something that uh, it's investiture leaking or something like that, because mm. it's so strongly invested everything that. Mm-hmm. It glows, but why it would be strange then, I don't know. We also get a new spren name. We have Peak <laughs> Spren. Yeah, are those for stone words? I think a I... lot of people have assumed that. You should mm-hmm. spell out Peak Spren. So it's ah. not like Peak as in I'm spying on oh. people. <laughs> yeah, not pervert Spren. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see your theory when it's turned on. The simply has a fetish for Peak Spren. Peak Spren is in P-E-A-K, like a mountain yeah. peak, which I think is where people are getting the Stoneward connection. Yeah. from and also we don't know they're like the one we don't know yeah like we don't know i think truth watcher and stoneward and for truth watcher i think the common theory is that they are the keen sprint that windle mentions at some point but that they are higher sprint that we know like mm-hmm. still mentions them alongside the honor sprint and high sprint i think mm-hmm. but yeah and peak would sort of fit stonewalls i think Kind of like the idea that it's like peak, as in like the peak of what Spren should be, and it's just the bondsmith, like the three bondsmith Spren. <laughs> I kind of doubt that though. <laughs> yeah, that would be weird because she also mentions it uh, when she says like uh, the highest Spren were created 10,000 mm-hmm. years ago and so, and yeah. the Stonefather in some form probably exists before that. So, wait, yeah. did they say 10,000 years ago for the highest Spren? She. Did so, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think she said, uh, like, they are newer, about 10,000 years old or something. Okay, great, cool. I think that's about it. Everything we wanted to cover. It's definitely worth a read. You just have to subscribe to Brand's newsletter, and if you don't receive it, try it with another email address because it seems to be having some issues. Yeah, yeah. The, the spooky producer ghost uh, can never make a. Uh, the them ever send to his main two emails so, but on the third email that i tried it works so uh i'm sorry but you're not the only one if you don't get it but it mostly kind of works and so yeah there there will be tour preview chapters like there were before oathbringer but those will not be full shortcast episodes like this was there there will be something though like some kind of reactions to them and um, uh, that's also something they mentioned in the Kickstarter livestream, I think, uh, that the preview chapters are coming soon-ish. So might be already out when this video goes live. I don't know. All right, listeners, you know what time it is. It's time for Who's That Cosmere Character? This character is from Roshar. Menace. Tian Tong. Raze. Void in drag on a horse. 
It's time for Who's That Cosmere Character? Call. All right, listeners, here's how the game is played. You send an email to WTCC at 17star.com with a character and five clues corresponding to that character. I read each one aloud, and after each clue, our panelists have a chance to guess who's that Cosmere character. Is is disembodied uh, producer voice playing? Uh... I don't know. I don't know. Unless I like really know, and then I'm like, oh man, <laughs> I, I'm just excited to see uh, how Danielle will do. Well, how how are, how are you feeling, Danielle, about that? I'm not feeling great, <laughs> <laughs> but everybody can have a chance to laugh at me, so that's okay. Yeah, I I, I might. Yeah, I, I, might. Kind of... I might. I guess I could have put myself in the panel, but uh, that sounds like work. So you're gonna be disembodied <laughs> producer voice. So. There you go. Okay, clue one. This character has killed people on screen. Um, Sadius. It is not Sadius. Vin. It is not Vin. Clue two. Several characters are afraid of them. Dalinar. It is not Dalinar. The Lord Ruler. It is not the Lord Ruler. I like that guess, by the way. That's that's a yeah. solid guess. Clue three. This character is known by an epithet or pseudonym. Lord Ruler! Oh, that's such a good one. <laughs> is it Vasher? It is not Vasher. Oh my god. <laughs> I have a good guess, I think. But I'm gonna just wait. <laughs> um... <laughs> At the, this is the stage where I stare at my books oh, no. for inspiration, Danielle. <laughs> yeah, so, like, you know, I, I highly recommend. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. Um, 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 odium. <laughs> <laughs> it's not odium. <laughs> Clue four. This character was present at the Battle of Thalen Field. Oh, my guess goes away. I was going to guess Kelsier. Could you read the first clue again? Uh, this character has killed people on screen. Okay. Kaladin. <laughs> it is not Kaladin. Oh, I do know who it is. Is it the, the thrill? It is not Nagel? the thrill. Okay, because it didn't, really, it didn't really kill anybody, but it drove people to... Uh, can, can I give a not. spoopy uh, producer guess? Go for it. Nightblood. It is Nightblood. Uh, that's ding, a good ding, one. Ding. Yeah. <laughs> Clue five is that this character is not human. That would have okay. given it away. So, so in case listeners don't know, Nightblood is not that thing's original name, and we have no idea what the original uh, name is. That's that's what gave it away. That was submitted by Nolum. Good job. That was a good one. Yeah. I I I do really love the lore that uh what what Nightblood's original name is. I I really mm -hmm. want to know that. That's like top tier secrets there. <laughs> also, I strongly think Brandon should make book five uh, even five hundred thousand words long because book five. So that yeah. that would be very Voren, you know. That's still a pretty big jump though. From uh, that that'd be like a forty thousand word jump. Which, yeah yeah yeah. I mean, no It'll be good. Add a novella to the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> Sure, why not? <laughs> yeah, it could be like an extended epilogue because it's like the end. So you know. book's gonna be wider than it is tall. <laughs> okay, you guys, I have to tell you this. I just learned it while we're all together. 
my husband just finished Dark One. Oh, <laughs> I'm nice. so proud of him. And that, is that his first Cosmere? No, he actually read um, well, Mistborn Cosmere. One. <laughs> yeah, not, uh, you, not he Cosmere. Yeah, He's read Mistborn, Skyward, and Starsight all this year. Nice, nice. I'm very proud of him. He's never read a book before this year, ever. Ooh. Wow, you know, that's... that that sounds like some really fun uh, couples content on uh, 17 Shard. Uh, <laughs> yeah. YouTube.com hey, slash 17 Shard. <laughs> All right, this this next one was sent in by Sashimine Smith. <laughs> yep, <laughs> that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> on the forums? What? These, these names are... Hard to read. Yep, that person. I can't pronounce the character names correctly. How am I supposed to pronounce <laughs> four oh, names correctly? <laughs> okay, clue one. This character is frugal. I actually have to Google that word because... Oh, that's know. fair. That That is fair. That is a yeah. fair use of Googling on this show when you don't know the <laughs> ah, English. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, this is acceptable. <laughs> I wasn't sure whether it was rich or uh, like he, big spender or... The Vivenna. Yeah. Yeah. It is not Vivenna. <laughs> Just because I don't have a clue. Farfen. It is not Farfen. <laughs> Doesn't Ridger. <laughs> Sorry. Alright. Clue two. This character was involved in a treacherous conspiracy. Stump. It is not Stump. I have no clue. I know Dan Lan or whatever her name is. Uh, it is not Dan Lan. Okay. Producer Ghost thinks it's Doxon. It is not Doxon. Oh, okay. All right. It was a good one, though. It was a good guess. Yeah. It is treacherous. They're right. mm-hmm. Clue three. This character has been engaged twice. Danielle, your face on this is just the best. <laughs> the best. I'm like, how is this not Vivenna? I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> Who else has Vivenna been engaged to? Oh, yeah, that's true, I guess. <laughs> Vasher. <laughs> no, let's not go there. <laughs> I mostly say this to troll Jess, um, to be honest. <laughs> thinking i can't i literally have no <laughs> names in my brain right now <laughs> who was engaged twice yeah was in- i mean usually the could- arranged marriages work out <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point it's a solid point <laughs> you can also pass if you I, really yeah it's just gonna guess clubs yeah. it is not clubs okay. um 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 wax <laughs> It is not wax. I feel like Ian is like yelling at the screen right now. Probably. <laughs> yeah, just go to the next one. Okay, clue four. <laughs> this character was betrayed by a close friend. Oh, what is his name? The the can I describe? Oh, I'll be generous to you too if you if you the, want. The, <laughs> you guys suck Elen- so bad at who's that? The Elantrian the, so Lord, the old Elantrian Lord who. Uh, has a fake engagement to Serini or something like well, that. That's a good one. Uh, yes, that is who he is. And his name is Rioton or something like that. Royal, Ro- Royal, right? Okay. Oh, I would never oh. have guessed that. 
Royal or however it's Royal. I say Royal. Yeah, I say Royal too. I'm not doing this aonic pronunciation. And it should be noted that neither does Brandon and people in the live stream were like, he doesn't pronounce it Serene. I'm like, no, he's never done that. So like, if you feel like, I'm sorry, I'm just copying Brandon. Okay. <laughs> and the, the fifth clue is uh, this character's second wedding was interrupted. That was a good one. That was solid. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I like that one too. Good job. A uh, person whose name I'm not going to try to pronounce again. <laughs> I just want to say that when you said that Ian would be furious right now, it's actually I would presume his screen was the giveaway for me because it must have been an adventuring character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I did think about that and I was like, well, we'll see if they are. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Follow us on 17shard.com for all your news, discussion, theories, and fun that you could ever want. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud, YouTube. You can leave us a review on iTunes. If you like our stuff, you can support us on Patreon. We'll see you all next time for more Dark One analysis and Way of Kings Prime stuff eventually. See you next time. Bye. Call. Wait, we, we were joking that uh, Calden's the, the space whales would uh, be all doctors. <laughs> and uh, then Paleo had a great joke too. Yeah, because there's whoops on. Uh, I, I said that the <clears throat> space whales will be on as porpoises. It's <laughs> <laughs> terrible. I wish I wasn't here to hear that. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. Okay, what are we talking about? <laughs> Paladin and Sergio with his or, nurses, or, or, Ridgeford nurses. <laughs> <laughs>